0: If you want to know what the Apostle Paul was warning the Ephesian believers against as he contrasted their former life in paganism and their present life as devoted followers of Christ, all you need to do is to take a hard look at the drunkenness, sex, and violence that have become the norm of major universities. Each of us needs to take a hard look at how we are living and what the results will be we will have to decide what is going to fill our lives. Listen as our study leader Dave Ortson gives us a glimpse of what a life controlled by the Spirit looks like in contrast to a life dominated by the spirits of alcohol. I want to talk to you this morning about being filled with the Holy Spirit or filled with the spirits. And I want you to really listen to me because you're going to have to decide whether you're going to be filled with the spirits or filled with the spirit and when I talk to you this morning about whether you're going to live a wise life or a foolish life, I think probably the most graphic way I can picture it is Jake was a six foot four inch, 185-pound, blue-chip high school ball player. I mean, this guy had played in the McDonald's All-American game. He played out in rural Texas, but everybody in all the schools, you know, the, the, the Big 8, the Big 12, the Big 10, everybody wants Jake to come and play for him. But all of his life, from the time he was a little boy, he wanted to play in his favorite Big 12 school. And what Big 12 schools do is they bring you in. They bring a high school senior in. And as they're jockeying around, talking to all the coaches to decide where they're going to play ball, they bring to the university. And so Jake got invited to his favorite Big 12 school. Man, the coaches wined and dined him. They talked to him. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, Jake was in heaven. I mean, the field looks like a golf course. The lockers are mahogany. And and with your name engraved on him. In fact, the universe even put his name to really motivate him to come to the school. Jake was in heaven. But when Buck, the power back, all American, 240 pounds, solid steel, runs the 100-yard dash under 10 seconds. When Buck invited him after the coaches had, had talked to him and, and just sent him to heaven with dreaming about what it was going to be like in, to play in this Big 12 school, Buck says, Man, we're going out in the town tonight. It's Friday night. Jumps in his BMW. They drive downtown, the big city. They go to a club, and Jake has never seen more beautiful women. I mean, you look at the Coors Lights ad. Man, this is a real live Coors Light ad. I mean, beautiful women everywhere. Co-eds, beautiful men, everyone, macho athletes. Jake is in heaven. This is what he dreamed about. And this is a long way from West Texas, Sunday school stuff, mom and dad stuff. He's really doing the big time. The beer's flowing. He drinks down about four of those babies in the great big ice cold mug, and it's foaming over the top. Buck says, man, the fun's only just begun. They go over to Buck's apartment. There's a bunch of women there, and Jake, when he wakes up the next morning, he can hardly remember what happened. But he knew that he'd become a man. And that's why he couldn't figure out a year later why he was sitting in a courtroom. Because Jake, with his speed and with his ability, was looking forward to playing in the Big 12 and then playing in the NFL and making multimillion-dollar contracts. But one of those girls that he doesn't even remember being with accused him of rape. He's now sitting in a courtroom as the defendant with a lawyer by his side, And he's facing not the Big 12 or the big NFL, but the big house. Now, that's not just pretend, kids. I just made up Jake. But that's what football players are facing today. That's the reality. All the schools do it. Everywhere is pretty much the same. When my kids went to UT, When they went through the introduction phase, they told them, there's an infirmary, there's condoms, there are antibiotics you can take. You're now grown-up kid. That's what they told them. So kids, that's what you're going to face. And it's not just out there at the University of Texas. It's also at A&M, it's at Baylor, it's at every school. I can look at the kids that are over here this morning, and I see 35-year-olds that used to be over here. And some of those 35-year-olds started out in the middle school. It's right here in the middle schools. Middle school kids start to decide whether they're going to run with the party kids, whether they're going to go to the kids' house where they drink, where their big brothers and sisters get alcohol. Sometimes their mom and dad get alcohol. Whether or not you're going to write dirty messages on emails. whether you're going to read dirty magazines late at night on the Internet. It's very real. Mom and dad, this is the society you live in. This is what Paul's talking about. That's paganism. And it starts in the middle school. And it moves up in the high school. There's two groups. There's some kids that really want to live for God. That really want to go all the way. But there's a whole bunch of kids that were raised in this stuff. Because in Midlothian, we're the dominant evangelical culture. That's the way it is. Everybody goes to church. So what we have in Midlothian is people that come on Sunday morning. You, mom and dads, kids, children. And we're all nice. But as we go out into the week, there's going to be a, a, a secret part of our life. Paul calls it the dark side. And he said that Christ had turned on the light. Paul calls it this week living in foolishness. And I don't want to yell and scream at you. You see, if you're not with me this morning, if you're not walking close to the Lord, you're going to turn me on and feel like, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. And you can do that. But I want to really level with you. For the last few weeks, I'm just getting old enough, and I'm getting cranky enough, and I've seen enough of light. I don't have anything to lose. And I'm telling you the way we live our life, what we've decided long ago. I've already been a teenager. I've already been a quarterback. I've already played quarterback a couple years in college. I've already done tons of things, snowboarding, skiing. And I've already chosen the woman I'm going to live And I've already raised my kids. So I've already made a ton of those decisions. And so I'm just going to tell you the truth. I have nothing to lose. But I really love you guys. I really love you guys, and I want to tell you the truth, because it, it's going to decide in your heart. Because I want these kids to live wise lives. I want you to live healthy lives. I want you to live lives built upon truth. I want you adults to not be hypocrites. The Apostle Paul was speaking to a situation just like Midlothian. Where there's nothing new under the sun. And the Bible knows all about the drunkenness. And then knows all about the immorality. That's what they did, like I've shared with you the last few weeks, in a Greco-Roman city. But something marvelous happened in the city of Ephesus. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up in the city of Ephesus and the person of the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, lived inside the Apostle Paul and Jesus showed up in Ephesus. And some guys that used to sleep with whores, some guys that used to live to get drunk, some guys that used to have multiple concubines suddenly found themselves filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And their lives changed. And they found life. And suddenly they began to be devoted to their wives. They started to be devoted to their families. They started to be devoted to their kids. And 300 years later, that force was so powerful it took over the Roman Empire, for better or for worse. And that's what I want us to be a part of. I believe, and I, Mary and I have decided we want to go all our way with Jesus. And what the Apostle Paul is going to talk to us about today is some of us need to wake up. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 5 today, the Apostle Paul says, Wake up! Some of you that have been working 12-hour shifts just woke up, and that's great. Okay? In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul begins by saying, Wake up. What he's saying is the tendency, and if you're drinking, now if you're drinking, you're going to be asleep. That's what you do. when you, Alcohol is a down, downer thing. It may, it's, an, it's an anesthetic. In the ancient world, they used it to conk you out so they could do primitive Egyptian c- surgery on you. It wasn't such a great deal. But if you're drinking, and Paul uses this as a metaphor, in the pagan world, if you start to live for Satan, you'll start taking drugs, you'll start getting drunk, and you'll start falling asleep. That's why your grades go kaplooey, because you're not with us, you're gone. And you have spacey looks in your eyes. And Satan always doesn't. In fact, you don't even need drugs like alcohol and other drugs to fall asleep. If you start living in the pagan world, you start going to sleep. You start being a nesticide. It's kind of like a spider that bit you and the poison begins to go through your body and you begin to get really sleepy or a terrible cold up in the Adirondacks when it's 30 below zero and you keep wanting to go to sleep. The Apostle Paul is saying, now that Christ is coming to your life, wake up, wake up, it's time to live. You can face life wide awake. You don't have to have any anesthetics. You don't have to fall asleep. You don't have to have any beclouding influences because you can wake up. The Apostle Paul says in Christ, look what he's quoting, and this is a song, probably a song that the early church sang to one another, just like you just sang to one another Sunday morning. He says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. When you came to know Christ as your Savior, you rose from the dead. You used to live in a dead world. You used to live in a pagan world. You used to be asleep. You used to not have any control over your passions that would destroy you. But now you've risen from the dead. What does the Apostle Paul mean by that? The moment you invited Jesus into your heart, if you really had Jesus come to live inside of you, the most powerful, life-transforming event took place in your life. Jesus took up residence in your life. It could have happened when you were two. It could have happened when you were five. It might have happened when you were 40. The first thing you need to ask yourself today is have I resurrected with Jesus? Do you have a new heart this morning? Very important. If, as I'm teaching you, nothing happened. if you can hardly wait to get out to the big pagan concert, if you can hardly wait to bump and drown in the show, you probably haven't been raised from the dead. Or you're a really sick believer, because your music describes what's really going on in my heart and your heart. When my heart is not close to Jesus, I want other music. Because every one of you will tell me what's going on in your heart by the music you want to listen to. If you want to bump and grind in a club, if you want to get drunk, you're a pagan. That's what Paul is saying. Or you're a really sick believer. And you need to ask yourself, what's going on in my heart? He says, and Paul is commanding us, rise from the dead. Don't stay in the dead world. And as a church family, I want us to really understand that this is real stuff. I'm thinking of real kids that grew up in our church, and they went and bumped and grinded, and they got drunk, and they had immoral sex, and they had illegitimate kids, and they blasted out of the church family. And praise God, I've been here long enough. Some of them are back home again. Praise God. And God has given them new life, and Jesus has forgiven them. And I don't care what your past has been, you can rise again from the dead. But that's why I'm telling you, this is real stuff. You can't be passive about it. you got to decide who you're going to live for. Paul is saying, wake up, O sleeper. A lot of evangelical believers are asleep in Texas. We're totally the same as our unbelieving friends. We do exactly the same things. We enjoy exactly the same music. We drink exactly the same stuff. We're not any different. And that's not going to cut it. We're not going to shine a light. It's not going to work. It's not going to work for your family. It's not going to work in our society. You can't do it. If you're a school teacher in the public school, wake up. You can't be asleep. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Why do I tell you that? Because I've been here long enough. I know what it's like for a public school teacher to tell a bunch of public school kids: you need to live morally, you need to have sex education, you need to be sure to follow the straight and narrow while they're shacking up on the weekend at clubs and they have immoral relationships. That's not going to work, teacher. You can't do it. It's a lie. But there's going to be something different. Something brand new, resurrected life. I don't care what your past has been. I don't care if you've been a total heroin addict. I don't care if you've been a homosexual. I don't care if you've been, you know, just clubbing from one club to the next. You can wake up. You can rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And it's time to rise and shine. That's what Paul is saying. Wake up. Then he tells us, he does not just like a preacher like me that's yelling and screaming, what he does next. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you why you should do that because it's wise. I want every one of you to get to be Van Kent's age, and his life is really close to the end. And every one of your lives is going to be at the end. You're going to be 82 someday. You don't realize it now. Kids, you're going to be 82 just like that. I mean, I was sitting where you're sitting in my dad's meeting with him doing what I'm doing yesterday. Now I'm an old man with a gray beard. And the next thing I'll know, I'll be, you'll be, I'll be dribbling out the side of my mouth, and you'll all be coming to visit me in the rest home. <laughs> it happened just like that. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, I want you to live a wise life. What he said, now get this. Mom and Dad, you want to know how to get your kids to live for Christ? you got to get in there. And you got to get slugging, telling the truth, exposing what the world is. And you need to argue strongly. This is foolishness. This is wisdom. This is the way you live, and it'll destroy you. This is the way you live, and it'll give you life. I know about the world. Janet Jackson doesn't surprise me. It's not something I've never seen. The Bible's filled, has even more racy stuff than Janet Jackson ever dreamed of, right here in the pages of Scripture. And it tells you the truth about it. The scripture says, what I'm telling you this morning, we found the answer. We found the way to live skillfully and wisely. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, be very careful how you live. Look carefully how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. I want to say to every one of you that you're a wise person. I want you to live a wise life. In Proverbs, they take a totally different tack from the prophet. The prophet does, like a preacher does, don't do this. And you ask him, why not? He said, because God said so. So some of you that have the prophetic gift, that's the way it works. Some of you, are you're, that's the way you appear. You're a prophet. You say, I told you, God told you, don't do it. The wise person adds another dimension to that. When the, you ask a wise person, why shouldn't I do it? They say, I've got 10 reasons why not. And I got 10 reasons why I want you to do this. And they'll show you. If you make this decision, you're going to end up with these results. If you make this decision, you're going to end up with this result. You take the choice. You're going to decide. You're going to be, live like an idiot? You're going to live like a wise person. That's what, the, that's what the wise person does. And they might do it in a really calm voice. And they might even tell you, if you don't want to listen to me, don't listen to me. But I'm telling you the truth. You want to live wisely? You want to be a wise kid? When you're, when you're in seventh grade, go ahead and party. Go ahead and drink. Go ahead and start messing around sexually. It'll mean you'll have multiple relationships, multiple families. You'll be in debt all of your life, and you'll probably have diseases. And you'll be part of the in crowd, and then you'll have your funeral when you're 40. That's the way it works. And all of your friends will say, no, that's a bunch of baloney, but that's the truth, and I can prove it. And all I can do, case studies, I can show you former 8th graders that made those choices, and I can show you exactly where they're living now, and I can show you other kids that made other choices. They said, no, I'm going to live for Jesus. What would have happened to Jake if he would have said to Buck, no, I'm a Christian. I don't go to strip clubs. I don't get drunk. I live for Jesus. I got to go somewhere else. I need to go to a... You have a Campus Crusade group around here? Have you ever heard of any football players that got in court from girls accusing them of rape because they went to an InterVarsity Campus Crusade navigator meeting? You decide. And by the way, kids, that's the choice you're going to make. Paul, am I right? You went through UT. I'm, am I right? The apostle Paul is saying, you've got to wake up. Don't live, as a wise, don't live as a fool. Live as a wise person. Making the most of every opportunity. and the time. I love the way the King James Version says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Brothers and sisters, we're living. Paul thought he was living in evil days. So are we. And a bunch of believers are wringing their hands over that. Hey, we've been living in evil days for 2,000 years, okay? You know what the Apostle Paul said? He doesn't go, oh, no, I can't believe we're living in evil days. It's so horrible. The Apostle Paul says, man, this is awesome. Man, we can take it. What a great opportunity. Let's redeem every opportunity. Daddy, don't get drunk this week. Be devoted to your wife. Don't cuss. That's what Paul is saying. Tell her the truth. Live for Jesus. Be like Bobby Farmer who's at home with the Lord. Teach Cubbies the word of God and explain the word of God to them. Wake up. Redeem the time. Van Ken, I just told you about. I was visiting Van Ken in the hospital. Men, this is serious stuff because Van's not going to be here anymore. You know what Van's been doing? Van, several years ago, was a big cowboy. Young people, there was a day when he was a knockout guy. Looked like a big, tall Clark Gable. He could have lived an immoral life. Bunch of friends like him... Did that? He met Janelle, said, no, I'm going to be devoted to her. Did rough construction work, worked for Al Bauckham in the county. He jumped off a hay bale one day, and he got blood right coming to the top of his brain, and it was bleeding, and it was producing tremendous pressure. Scared the snot out of him. He smoked like a smokestack. And even though he was a child of God, he smoked like a smokestack, and he knew it wasn't good for the temple of God, but, man, he just couldn't stop. And so they drilled a hole right through the top of his head. And before they drilled a hole in the top of his head, he was scared to death, and I went in there and we prayed. He said, man, Lord Jesus, you need to protect me. You need to help me. If you'll just give me some more time, I want to live for you. They drilled a hole in his head, let the blood out. All of us need a hole in our head. Van's life's never been the same again. (laughs) Van hasn't smoked the cousin went slowly by the power of the spirit. He started mentoring Debbie and Matt Runnels when they were brand new believers. You know what Van's done? He reads to little kids. Men, redeem the time. You know, what we, need? we need a whole bunch of you to go to the public schools and read to little kids. That's what Van did. A big, strong. say I'm too macho to do that. None of you are as macho as Van. If you have hands like Van, and they're more rugged than Van's, then you don't have to read. But we need some men that listen to Awana verses on Wednesday, listen to Cubbies. Most of all, it begins in our home that raises our kids. But Van, in his elderly years, what Van did was listen to little kids read. And then he also started working for Wayne Bowes to comfort people in their time of loss. Men, you want a real example? That's a Christian man. You know what Van told me in the hospital? He... He's in and out of reality, but he was in reality. He looked at me at Bellar Hospital and said, Dave, I got to get well. I said, Why, Van? I want you to get well. I really want you well. I said, He said, Man, he said, We don't have much time. Man, we don't have much time. I said, I got to get well. Those kids need me. I got to get well. That's redeeming the time. Man, I haven't seen many guys that go clubbing every night, sleep with a different woman, that get to be 82, that are in and out of consciousness, in and out of reality, that are telling me, hey, man, I've got really bad illness, but, man, I need to get up and get going. I want you to have that kind of life. I really do. Walked out of that room. I said, Lord, man, I don't have what Van has, and I'm not 82 yet. Am I going to make the most of every opportunity? Young person in the high school, you're only going to be in high school once. Junior high, you're only going to be in junior high once. Elementary school kids, you're only going to be in your elementary school once. You're only going to be at that job once. You're only going to be in university once. And you got examples. Bobby Farmer died at 55, and we need a whole bunch of you, especially you men, say, I'm going to redeem the time. I'm going to live a wise life. I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Then he explains what it means. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You say, well, how do I know what the will of the Lord is? What is the will of the Lord? It's not that complicated. He says, don't get drunk with wine, words in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, words in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love the Apostle Paul. What he says is, okay, you're going to make a choice. In your life, you're going to be controlled by substance abuse, or you're going to be controlled by... By the divine Holy Spirit. Now, which is the better choice, you guys? Now, don't, you know, some of you are from a Baptist background, and what you've done, you've tried to conquer your alcohol by it's a whole it's sinful. One beer sends you to hell. And so I've never touched this stuff. Until you Baptist are by yourself. You see, I am getting old and cranky. I was raised in an environment. If you drank one beer, one glass of wine, you went to hell. It was very confusing. We had communion where they used wine when I went to the inner city of New York. We created an environment. The really big thing for our kids, if they're going to rebel against you as mom and dad, their really big thing, the big thing for these kids over here to grow up Is to rebel against you, and they drink a six pack. Isn't that really cool? And it's like their rite of passage. Now they're a big Marlboro cowboy, or they're a big bull rider, or if they're an athlete, they're a big Jake, like I described to you. They get drunk as a skunk. That's the rite of passage. I want to show you what the Bible says. The Bible says, "Don't get drunk with wine." If you want to be, if you want to never drink a glass of wine, that's your privilege. But the Bible doesn't teach that. If you want, you can go to Mormonism, they do teach that. So don't use that as an excuse, because you, as you grow older, it's going to get very complicated. Because the people that told me they would never touch a drop, as they get older, now they drink a glass of wine because it's good for their heart. Now that gets really complicated. <laughs> and I want now listen to me, because some of you that are legalists are going to get mad at me. You have every right, Mary is not going to touch a drop of the stuff. Her brother died from it. It's part of her conscience. But Mary doesn't have what the Bible absolutely says. The Bible says, not given to much wine. If you're Italian and you have a glass of wine with your spaghetti, that's not like getting drunk. If you have a wedding celebration, you have champagne, you don't have to sneak it. If you're going to drive, don't drink eight of them because you'll be in trouble if you do. Maybe you shouldn't even drink one of them if you're not used to it. But if you're not going to drive and you want to celebrate your kids getting married, you don't have to sneak one glass of a a good champagne isn't going to send you to hell. And the kids need to know the difference. But I'm going to tell you what will send you to hell. If you take that liquid and you think it will give you life, and you think you're disobeying the Lord, and now you're going to sneak away from him, and now you're going to do your own thing, that will destroy you. If you can't take that and say this is a gift from God, And some of you can't because you were raised very strongly. You can't do that. And so you really believe you're disobeying your daddy in heaven and don't you disobey him. You understand what I'm saying? This is the truth. If you were a Jewish audience, it wouldn't be a big deal. They have wine in their Passover meals. Little kids drink a little sip. It's not a big rite to passage. America has changed it into the holy drink that makes you an adult, and then you get smashed out of your gourd. High school kids think that's the big thing to do. And we need Christian kids that say, Jesus, man, I have control. Jesus controls my life. Jesus is my Savior. I don't have to be drunk on wine the same thing with food. nothing wrong with food. This evil isn't in a glass of wine or ethanol. It's just two carbons and a bunch of hydrogens and then an OH group at the end. It's just if you pour it on a cut, it'll make it well. <laughs> if you put a little bit in your stomach, it'll probably clean out your arteries. If you put a ton of it in your head, you'll become an idiot. That's the truth. And what really decides what you do with it is whether you're controlled by the Holy Spirit or the spirits. And Paul's really honest. He says there's a whole pagan world out there. The pagan world substitutes the alcohol for the Holy Spirit. So kids, I want you to know, you want to have Satan's counterfeit? You go to a club, you get smashed, and you'll have fun, you'll have pleasure, you'll have sex, and you'll be excited, and you'll be thrilled, and you'll think you're in heaven. And you'll come and tell me in my study, you lied, because it was so much fun and everything else, and you're dying the whole time you're doing it. Because the Bible says Satan's a counterfeiter. His counterfeit is the club and the alcohol and the exhilarating experiences in sex, and then he's going to kill you. He'll give you sicknesses, he'll give you broken hearts, and he'll eventually take your life. You'll feel so guilty. Jesus says, you don't need to drink. I'll give you a spirit. I'll fill you. Church, what we need to do is create such powerful filling in our home life and in our corporate life. As you sing together, you know why we sang together? Because that's what believers do. Paul says, when you're filled with the Spirit, you speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. You know what you do when you're filled with the Spirit? You want to sing. And some of you say, well, Dave, I don't want to sing this morning. You know why you don't want to sing? Because you're angry. Because you're discouraged. Because maybe you're not saying, Lord, whatever it takes, just fill my life. And I just want to share with you that life is really short. And your songs, Mary and I and our songs, are going to decide where our spirit is. And some of you dance like crazy and raise your hands like crazy at football games. If I went clubbing with you last night, man, you're all over Robin Hood's barn. You're excited, and you're with it. Your face flushes and everything else. Man, you are the life of the party, but you come together with a bunch of believers, and you are Dollsville, USA. And that's because your heart is a pagan heart and not a Jesus heart. Brothers and sisters, Jesus makes you sing. He makes you dance my daughter Janae, when she gets really excited down on the beach she goes running out on the beach and she throws her hands up and she dances to the glory of jesus and she's taught me that's okay and my problem is i don't do that enough i want to ask you have you been singing this week have you been singing this week your songs kids Your songs will tell where your heart is. And I'm not telling you you need to listen to just One Eye survey the Wonder Cross. you got tons of music that will be right down your style. But the words of your songs and the melody of your heart will tell what spirit you're filled with. And I'm not saying that to you kids. That's my heart, too. If my heart's away from the Lord, my music changes, and so does yours. And this is my dream as we close today. The Bible closes. You can know you're filled with the spirit. When you're not drunk with wine, you're filled with the Spirit. You speak to one another. You admonish and teach one another like I've been doing this morning. Then you sing to one another. Then you're thankful. It says thanking the Lord Jesus. So we have a thankful time together in our homes and in our church family life. And finally, the the next one is we submit to one another. Jesus turns everything around. Instead of going to parties to find out what the big highs I can get, You go to church to find out who you can serve. Did you hear what I said? In the pagan world, you go to big parties to get the next high for yourself. In the believing world, daddies go home to their families so they can serve their wife and their kids. They come to church Sunday morning because there's a whole bunch of people that they want to thank God with and praise God with and serve. Brothers and sisters, you're going to have to decide which way you're going to go. As for me and my house, we want to go with Jesus. And all I can tell you from the bottom of my heart is I've been doing this since I was a little kid. And I'm not that smart a guy, really. In fact, I almost didn't learn to read, so I'm not really that smart. My mother had a beat reading into my head. So Christian kids, you can do this. Christian kids. You don't have to go out into the pagan world to find out that what I'm telling you is the truth. That's my big dream, that we can raise kids and they can know the truth. They can be worldly, wise, and innocent kids. And they can decide, this Jesus stuff is the best thing I've ever found. And I don't want to live foolishly. I want to live wisely. And I want to open myself up to the filling of God's precious Holy Spirit. And I want to let his spirit come in. And I'm going to sing songs of praise to him. I'm going to sing songs that tell the truth to one another. If I've got a voice, I'm going to use it for the glory of God. And most of all, I'm going to live to please and serve my king by submitting myself. I want to live to serve you. Mary and I are here to submit to you. To take off our outer garments and wash your feet. That's what we need to do for one another. And I believe if we do that, that there's going to be a mighty movement of the spirit And little kids all over this area, instead of being scarred in the school of satanic foolishness, instead of becoming alcoholics and drug addicts and sexually immoral and addicts of all kinds of stuff, they're going to be drunk on the Holy Spirit and they're going to live. And they're going to produce families that are strong. And I want you to go out this week and I want you to spread that light, spread that truth. I want you to have confidence that we've found the wise way to live.